Well, welcome to Q&A. We're so glad that you've decided to join us. So if you have questions from the service this morning, we would encourage you to text them in. The number's up on the screen. Uh, really is a great opportunity if you have something stirring in your heart and your mind that you would love to ask this morning. So we would encourage you um, to send those in. So walk in as we've continued through our series. So yes. walk in wisdom. Um, <coughs> great uh Service. I loved this design, by yeah. the way. The graphic was immensely helpful um, for me as we were talking about wisdom and then and living in that very, I'm a visual person though, so very yes. practical to me. So if you're listening back and you haven't seen it, I would really encourage you to yeah. check out um, the sermon notes as well. The subtleness that I didn't say is that uh, it's the mix of being sanctified in truth and sent into the world, the red mm -hmm. and the blue that produces the purple. That was the subtling of nature of the coloring that I didn't say, but I don't know if people picked up or not. But that's, uh, that's I think, um, we just tend to, well, I don't need to say we, me. I know one of those is harder. The, the, the staying sent into the world is mm -hmm. harder for me than being transformed by a truth. Part of that's the nature of what I do. That it's, um, as we were talking, when you work in ministry, it can be more difficult to be so engaged on a day-to-day -day basis with lost folks where a typical mm -hmm. person in the church is constantly engaged, has the opportunity, I should say, to be constantly engaged with lost folks, but it's hard to not ignore this because life is so full. Absolutely. We get to give our attention to this, yes. but we have to work hard at immersing. So it's the mixing of the two together mm -hmm. that demonstrated the beauty and the impact of Jesus, fully like the Father and fully engaged with lost folks. Absolutely. And so as you're talking about being difficult to be in those situations, whether it's work or wherever, yeah. um, where you may be the only light in there, we do have a question this morning. Um, it can be really hard to be, to not be conformed in small ways. How can you tell when you are being conformed oh. or falling back? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good question because actually... Uh, I think it's in Proverbs, it talks about the little foxes that, mm. that run in the vineyard uh, and they just nip at the fruit. And we can, uh, because we're trying to address the big things in life, we can ignore the little. So the question mm -hmm. was, how do I, what was the question again? How do I, I just had that vision. Uh, so Sure, it can be really hard to not be confirmed in, uh, sorry, conformed. conformed in small ways? How can you tell when you are starting to conform hmm. in small ways? Um, I don't, I wish I could talk to the person. Maybe you can help me here. I don't know if it's, a, I don't know that I am. Mm -hmm. You may know um, I am, now let me strike that. I know when I'm compromising in small ways mm -hmm. in my own life. So, it's not a matter of I don't know. It's that I, uh, I think, well, at least I'm not compromising in big ways. And so um, I think in reality, the sanctify me, the, the growing in Christ, being transformed by God's word, the vertical line chart, mm -hmm. um, we, we have to understand that that's a process 
And sometimes it's big things that get addressed in our lives first, but we don't then grow complacent. I think that's the danger of complacency. Not that I don't know, that, but I grow complacent that, well, I have changed in these ways. And so uh, maybe um, immorality, sexual immorality was a big thing in someone's life. And cussing seems like a smaller thing in their life. When in reality, or maybe drunkenness was a big thing in somebody's mm-hmm. life, but then there is cussing or just kind of participating in the off-color jokes. And you kind of go, ah, it makes me relevant, or I kind of stay connected mm-hmm. in that way. And you know in your heart of hearts that that's not pleasing to the Lord. If literally, and we can think about this, if Jesus was in the circle, you'd be embarrassed to be a part of that conversation. Right. And he is in the circle because he's in you. Right. He's there. <laughs> yes. He's present in that. And so um, I think it's a matter of not growing complacent, of recognizing that big stuff would undermine, undermine my testimony, but so does, so does the little stuff can undermine my testimony. Be careful how you walk. And by I mean testimony, I mean the ability for you to be Christ in your workplace and not what they would get to be able to label as a hypocrite. You call yourself a Christian, but you still cuss. You call yourself a Christian, but you still uh, laugh at the dirty jokes. You call yourself a Christian and they, they still see the little stuff that you've grown complacent with, and they use it as hypocrisy. So change is uh, happening in our lives, hopefully continually. Big stuff first, smaller stuff still matters. Yes, the small things do matter. And people notice the small things, whether Mm -hmm. it's for good or for bad. And we've talked about this many times, can be a great opportunity to share your testimony yeah. when you are not engaging in a way other people are. And and if we can go a step further, Tracy, in what Bill talked about last week and mm-hmm. walk in light, mm-hmm. I think even among believers and unbelievers, one of the most powerful things we do is say, I was wrong. Absolutely. So you blow it big at work or you've ignored little stuff and somebody calls you on it or they don't even call you on it. Mm-hmm. And you come clean and go, hey, when I said that, when I engaged with that, when I did that, um, that was not right. I am a follower of Christ, and I'm not perfect, but I don't want to admit that was wrong. There's a humility in that that uh, is very, very powerful to say I was wrong, big or little. Uh, at home, yes, we know that. But even to the unbeliever who maybe you didn't feel like you sinned against, but to acknowledge, hey, I was wrong when I did that, I think that's pretty powerful. Because we're not perfect, but we are growing. We Absolutely. Hope we're growing. Yes, yeah, not perfect for sure. Um, I remember moments where I was told, why? why do you, you don't need to apologize. You shouldn't apologize in business. Like, mm-hmm. And that being shocking to me. Like, no, I did something wrong. I need to apologize for that. So it was almost an oddity Mm-hmm. Um, that the Lord then used to have conversations. So I was, was grateful for that. Not that it wasn't awkward, but <laughs> right. grateful for those opportunities. Um, so continuing and growing through wisdom question here. I want to teach my kids to know the word and apply the word. So know <laughs> and apply. Um, right. How do I do that effectively um, and instill in them the importance of doing so? 
I said in the message, it's our greatest teaching tool is our example, not our words. And so, um, not for show, but to be seen in the word yourself mm -hmm. as a parent. Uh, Jackie, no, uh, by no means did it for show, but I'm confident that all of my kids would be able to say, we would see mom in the scriptures regularly, up in the morning reading her Bible. And we, would, we experienced mom uh, applying truth and then apologizing when she didn't. So she lived out that example in front of them. I always lived with the reality that my kids listened to me on Sunday morning, and I did not want it to be true that they would sit there and think, uh, you should see him in the home. This is not who we get at home. I wanted it to be true that what my kids got at home was consistent with what they heard on Sunday morning, that my example would be uh, the primary teaching thing, and they would just hear supporting evidence, if you will, on Sunday morning. So sure. uh, just that's out of our own life. Mm -hmm. If if you want to your kids to become seekers and appliers of truth, then your example is your greatest teaching tool. You can create opportunities that help them um, read their Bible. If your kids are young, some people will go, you shouldn't do this, but uh, I benefited greatly as a junior higher junior higher by having a living bible it was a paraphrase not a translation uh it didn't harm me or hurt me as a junior higher <laughs> it actually helped encourage me to read my bible because i could actually understand, understand and there's right. nothing more discouraging about reading your bible than when you read it and you go huh what i don't know yeah, i have no idea what <laughs> yeah. this like a foreign language so I think you can help by giving them a Bible that's age appropriate for them to be able to read. You can be sharing with them what you're learning, what you're learning how you're trying to apply. You can be asking them uh, without it being the police. Mm -hmm. um, right. What'd you read in your Bible today? But you can open up that door. Anything you're learning, anything that you didn't understand. Uh, I think you can open the door for those those conversations, and um, people would disagree. This is this is not a Bible verse. We didn't require our kids to read their Bible. Uh, we tried to model, model it and encourage it, but we didn't require it. Um, you may choose to do differently, but that's something for you to think about as a parent, since that's a parent asking that question. Uh, do you want them to see Bible reading as um, homework, a requirement? I was never really interested in that when I was sure. a Christian school teacher. Some teachers, as punishment, would make kids write Bible verses over and, you know, write this Bible verse 50 times as their punishment. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to make them write a Bible verse 50 for times for yeah. punishment. I, I, I don't think that's a sin. I just, I wasn't interested in that. So 
I think I would say if you're doing that, maybe rethink that. <laughs> you might continue, but you might want to think about, is that really the way in which you want to use the Word of God? When there's so many other ways that you can. Yes, because, and maybe my that's my reaction of thinking that the Word of God was burdensome mm -hmm. and a prison. And so let's not use it as a punishment. Uh, it's, it's valuable. And mm -hmm. so I'm not, I would encourage you to think through that. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, well, and often on Sundays, too, out in front of children's ministry, Becky has some great resources, whether it's devotionals or even kids' Bibles and stuff that she, uh, Becky Conover, who's our minister to children, and um, great resources there that have been encouragement for me to get in Scripture with our kiddos. So. Uh, not because it was my job, but because it's, it was our life. Uh, church wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. We prioritized it in our life. And I think that's important, parents. If if you want uh, what we prioritize, our kids see what we prioritize, not just Absolutely. in our words, but in our practice. So if sports get the priority over church, I think you're sending a message that maybe you're like, ah, I don't think I want to. You're saying different words that Jesus is more important. But we always wanted to go, we're going to prioritize the two, what prompted me to that was children's ministry. Children's mm -hmm. ministry, youth ministry were just invaluable partners with Jackie and I in the discipling of our kids. And so Absolutely. we wanted to prioritize their participation in those things. And they actually weren't optional. Mm -hmm. Well, so, they always have so much fun. Like, and they uh, learn so much. And yeah. And great. gratefully, we didn't have to, we never got to that point. They loved it so much. Right. They didn't, they weren't forced to attend. Mm -hmm. So I have another question here about engaging with the lost. Um, engaging with the lost can be very frustrating for me, especially keeping boundaries. Any thoughts? Huh. And maybe boundaries. I don't know if boundaries means I don't want to end up being tempted myself mm -hmm. or I don't want to be known or a part of some of the things that they are doing. Um, and there are appropriate protections mm -hmm. that we understand um, as Christ followers, we be careful how we walk. Mm -hmm. So um, sanctified in truth, growing in engagement. And so if there is concern and fear and fear, legitimate um, experience of I tried to engage with loss, but the loss, but then they pulled me down instead of me influencing them, they influenced me. Then you need to give greater attention to being sanctified in truth before you engage in that. So I think that's that's an appropriate um, measure to to watch. Jesus was fully engaged, tempted, but didn't sin. So if engagement is leading to sin, you're losing your saltiness. So that's a, that's a good boundary to, to put up. I don't think, and Jesus didn't, didn't do this by example, we don't engage with the lost to the absence of engaging with fellow believers. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Jesus was with his disciples, a lot. A lot, yes. And was engaging with them with the loss. So there might be for this person a principle. 
Am I, am I attempting to engage with the lost by myself? Maybe there's some thought to how might I, with other believers, because Jesus was with his disciples, uh, how might we be together in engaging mm-hmm. the lost? That might be some protective, helpful right. for you as well. So, uh, um, Jesus was clear. The well don't need a doctor. The sick do. So if doctors are going to make a difference, they have to be engaged with sick people. But the doctor who gets sick from the sick people cannot help the sick people. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is that balance of walking in the spirit there. That, that's why the grid was so helpful to me. I'm not doing one or the other. I'm sanctified in truth, and I'm being sent into the world, not to the exclusion of either. Great. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate the questions and hope you have a great day.